Exposure, and you're listening to Zen Parenting Radio, conversations with people we love. They love me. Hello, this is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is a conversations with people we love, and we have two very special guests, uh, Chris Lozier and Manisha Lozier. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Get your microphone a little bit closer to you so you're all good. So, um, Kathy, do you want to start out? What are we talking about today? Sure. Well, we're talking about Kawasaki Syndrome today, and you may or may not know what that is, but um, these are our very special best friends, and they just so happen to deal with this syndrome. Is Do they call it a disease? Both. They call it both. Wikipedia call it, okay. calls it both. Okay. So, disease syndrome, and um, it's interesting because I'm going to let them tell their own story, but this happened last year, and they were the second people I knew... Who had to deal with this, and it just so happened that that year was it last year that they did this on Gray's Anatomy? Yeah, just about a thirteen few... months ago, about a month before we went through it. And when you Crazy. say Gray's, you're talking about oh, Gray's Anatomy. Gray's Anatomy. They happened to have a storyline um, that a child was uh, diagnosed with Kawasaki, and the woman uh, we were just discussing her name. I think it's Sarah Chalky. She used to be on a show called Scrubs, and then she did this on Gray's. The reason she brought it to Gray's is because she didn't feel that there was enough awareness around Kawasaki. So we thought, one, we just wanted to have our good friends on. Right. Because, because they're such big fans of the show, and they've listened to all 173 episodes. <laughs> right. How many have you guys listened to, honestly? Like 171. <laughs> yeah. So you got two more to listen to. We'll get that done by the end of the day. Uh, so part of it is just we wanted to be with them and do a show. But the other one is the more important part of raising awareness around Kawasaki because their daughter, May, was diagnosed. So... I don't know which one of you guys want to start, but um, I'll just start with this. May got sick last year. How old is May? Or how old was May when this happened? Four and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yep. She's, what happened? She's five now, which is actually relevant because Kawasaki syndrome um, doesn't affect children above the age of five, typically. Why? I didn't know that. You know what? Um, I mean, like a lot of things with Kawasaki syndrome, there is so much that they don't know. Um, okay. Move the mic closer to you. You got to get closer. Um, I want to read from Wikipedia what Kawasaki disease is. It's an autoimmune disease in which the medium-sized blood vessels throughout the body become inflamed. It's largely largely seen in children under five years of age. Oh. It affects many organ systems, mainly those including blood vessels, skin, mucous membranes, lymph nodes. It's got a whole paragraph, but that's the that's the first two sentences. Yeah, so. and I would say more specifically, it generally affects uh, young boys who are Asian under the age of five. Oh, and so gosh. May uh, is not definitely Asian doesn't fall into and that. And is not a boy. Yep, yep. Uh, and then, well, we'll go on and on. But, okay. Um, so let's start, let's start as beginning at the beginning. May, May got sick. May got sick. Yeah, May got sick. So uh, we were, um, it, it's funny, part of the story for us is that May got sick on a Friday night, and it was the Friday night before uh, what is the was and is the biggest work-related week um, for both of us of the year. Mm -hmm. So we were actually both preparing to be out of town. You know, intense meetings, lots of preparation, um, and, like, organizing child care. And Chris's sister was scheduled to fly in, which was, um, you know, a total blessing for a number of reasons. But it was an intense week where we – the last thing in the world we were really focused on was, you know, a health crisis, which is not – 
of yeah, course. Yeah, you're in work mode. You're ready to go. You got the babysitters lined up, everything else. Totally. So I think I, I got home first, and um, our babysitter said to us, you know, May doesn't feel well, and her neck hurts, and she feels like she has a fever. And that, I mean, she, she her neck just didn't hurt. She basically couldn't move her head from side to side and up and down. She was her whole walk, her whole gait had changed and the way, just the way she was carrying herself had changed. Was and she like that in the morning? No. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this like happened just During over a small period of time. Okay. That's right. And she just she just looked different. She she didn't look well and lethargic? Yeah, she was really lethargic and she had a very swollen lymph node. And so of course, What is that like a neck? Like you just yes. Like like you would, you know, like you've experienced with your kids with strep. Right, okay. And but so, a big one. It was like a golf ball sticking yeah. out the right side of so, her neck. So, yeah. so that was enough to like, oh, this isn't like she's got the flu or something else. This is more serious. Well, and then the worst thing we thought it could be would be meningitis. And so right. that's the first thing we wanted to be able to rule out. Okay, so Friday night, what do you do? Did you take her to the hospital? Well, so, um, I mean, I'll just be honest. Our first, re- My first reaction was like, oh, God, she's got strep, which means... We've got to get her to a doctor in time to get on antibiotics, mm-hmm. and this is kind of a major inconvenience. I mean, yeah. just being totally honest, that was the we were very much in work mode, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about when my flight left on Monday, I think it was, or Sunday, and how we were going to back into that. Yeah. Totally. And I, I like to think that, like, normally I'm more balanced, but on that particular week, it was just a very big work week for both of us. So that was, you know, so because of that – we called the pediatrician after hours, and we were very motivated to get this process started. And um, luckily, we got, you know, just a terrific doctor from our practice on the phone who was very, very thorough in his questions. And, the, and you know, his initial reaction was, oh, it's probably strep. Let's get her in tomorrow morning. But the more he asked us, you know, the more specific questions about, like, the size of the lump and how what her behavior was like and the, the way she was complaining – the, the call got longer and longer, and then all of a sudden he said, you know what, um, I think you should actually go to the ER. Oh, he, said, he said if it were my daughter, I would take her to the ER. Yeah, and it was 9 o'clock at that time on Friday night. Oh my God. And Which, we by were, the way, is what you want to hear a doctor say. What would you do if it were your kid? Totally. Right. Yeah. yeah, That's yeah. what Todd always says to any doctor. Yeah. He's like, if this was your daughter, what, what would, you, would do? you do? Yeah, let's cut through the BS. Yeah. Quit trying to be politically correct. What would mm-hmm. you do? Yeah. So anyways. Yeah. And so, so then you took we, her in Friday night. Yeah. What happened? Chris, you go. I, I would say she got more and more miserable. We were in the ER. They admitted her in the ER. It took a long time for us to get a lot of attention, <clears throat> but um, but they immediately put her on pain medication. They took her in for an X-ray to see if it was something in the back of her neck, which is I forget what that was, but something they they highly suspected it might be. Um, and they put her on antibiotics pretty much right away, thinking that there was some sort of bacterial infection. We spent the night there, which is very uncomfortable, but we were happy to be in in good care. Yeah. Uh, and then the next morning, while she wasn't feeling a lot better, everyone, all the doctors expected that the antibiotics would start to take hold mm-hmm. within 12 to 24 hours. So they sent us home with antibiotics, mm-hmm. which tasted apparently um, awful, and she wasn't taking them very well. But we went home. And she's never eaten pudding again, and she never will. Why? <laughs> were the antibiotics why? in the pudding? <laughs> because, or? Yeah, because the, the, the antibiotic for, for what they thought she had is so vile tasting mm. that there's really nothing you can do to, oh, yeah. to 
um, hide it, and so it's ruined. Pudding. So there's a market yeah. opportunity to make antibiotics that taste good. <laughs> yeah. if you're out there listening. <laughs> but that's just it. Like that's kind of the beginning, and what I would want your listeners to know, like what we experienced, and why Sarah Chalky um, did the show on Grey's Anatomy because she experienced it with her actual son. Oh, her you son. Know, okay. In real life, is that this is the thing about this particular disease. It manifests in ways that look like a bunch of other things. I mean, I'm sure all the parents listening will, will know. Like, if you get a swollen lymph node in your throat, you it could be meningitis, could be strep, could be all these other things. And the journey of Kawasaki is about chasing down the the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And there there is no test for it. You can't like take blood. So and- what what they say is it's a it's a clinically diagnosed disease or, or syndrome or disorder. So what does that mean? <clears throat> Which means that there's no test that you can do for it. You you diagnose it by looking for... By removing other things that it like might... No, no, like not, no, but actually by looking for um, several of a set of six or seven typical symptoms, uh, symptoms mm-hmm. and signs that many of them, except for maybe one or two in this case, which we can talk about, um, look can, can, can be presenting other diseases, right. like Manisha mentioned. Yeah. So... I mean, maybe that's a good place to jump in. I mean, uh, one thing that that would be a telltale if 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 you were worried that your kid had this would be a thing called strawberry tongue, where your tongue uh, gets swollen. Todd mentioned that it's a it causes inflammation of the blood vessels, and your tongue has a lot of blood vessels. And so, if your tongue was swollen and r- red like a really ripe strawberry. Mm-hmm. That's called strawberry tongue, right. appropriately, and that's that's a really telltale sign. <laughs> I wonder who named that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's some, some well, geniusly creative doctor. At the risk of fast forwarding this too much, because it's a pretty amazing story, but we're on Saturday now, right? Saturday morning. Saturday yeah. morning. Now, uh, to kind of ruin it, what? How many days did it take for them to say your daughter has Kawasaki disease? Uh, well, yeah, you're definitely fast forwarding it because uh, yeah, walk us through because All well right. because Saturday we, we we tried to you know we, we worked really hard to get her get these antibiotics into her system which was not easy. I think I had a gig that night, but we thought everything was going to get better and better. Sunday, um, she was clearly not getting better, mm-hmm. and this has been you know 36 hours since she started uh, taking the antibiotics, and that's when again Manisha called this time not our pediatrician but. Uh, the brother of a friend of ours who was a pediatrician. Yeah, I mean, at that point on Sunday, she had stopped eating, stopped going to the bathroom, totally lethargic, and we had actually lost view of her chin, her jawline. Because it was so It was so swollen that, like, you couldn't distinguish, you know, like, that part of her bone. Okay. And and we just knew, like, she wasn't getting better, she was getting worse. So, this, yeah, this is an important part of the story. So a good friend, a colleague of mine, had given us the cell phone number of her brother, who's a pediatrician, and he was so generous um, with his time, Uh, shout out to Vip Singla in Mm -hmm. Chicago, and um, just began a texting relationship with me as, like, the friend of a friend, and it was – I cannot stress how valuable, and he comes in later in the story actually all through it, but um, to have that kind of access to like a, a, a medical professional asking questions, you know, and, and, um, and encouraging us about our next steps. And so, I mean, part of the story that we would want people to understand is about like um, having a voice, mm-hmm. you know, in this sort of adventure that you never want – but the importance of like finding your voice and having the courage to say, which we had to say at one point in the hospital, um, even with the incredible care we got, 
this is actually not getting better. Yeah. This is not my kid. We're not doing enough. Like you things, have to advocate. You have to, or else be, because they only see what they see. They don't know. And again, it's like you said. It's not about they aren't giving care or they don't care. It's about they don't know what your child is like normally. Right. They don't know what her pain threshold is. They don't. And when right. you are experiencing that and watching that, you are the first line of defense, really. Right. Well, and I'm the worst case with that because I'd be like, oh, they're doctors. They know. And I would kind of fall back. Whatever the doctors say is what we should do. And what you're saying is sometimes you have to tell the doctors, no, that's not what we're doing. We're going to do this or help me understand why you're not doing more, whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah, because like Heather said, you'll love this, Todd. We have data that they don't have. Yeah, that's yes. right. <laughs> data points. Data well, points. Data Chris Lozier loves data points. He's a big right. fan. So, but, but, but the advocacy that, that um, VIP encouraged started right away because, for example, he said, okay, don't just take her back to the emergency room. Talk to your pediatrician and get them to call the hospital and get her admitted. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All kinds of little things. And to your point, Todd, I mean, like you, I my inclination, and first of all, we were at Lurie Children's Hospital. It is absolutely cutting edge. We we're blessed to be near it. Mm-hmm. And ironically, the like perhaps global expert, certainly national expert on Kawasaki just happens to be at Chicago Children's. So we, there, that was one of the many blessings that we had. But like you, I was very inclined to be like the low-maintenance parent on the war on the floor. Thank you, thank you, thank you, because we were getting incredible care, and these doctors are awesome. But, you know, what happens is that there's the shifts change, and nurses come in and out, and they totally. go home, and doctors come in and out, and you're the only consistent, person, consistent like, person who knows what's happening. And, you know, I mean, and I just have to say... Again, another blessing for us is that we have the kind of flexible jobs where we could be present the whole time at the hospital. If he and I had been having to like go and we had childcare for our other daughter, mm-hmm. like so we were able to be there the whole time. That's not that's a luxury that we had. And so even for parents who have to go home and come back, you know, you just the, there's so many opportunities for breaks in right. the communication. Right. Okay. All right, and, yeah. so we're on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going I'm to take over here and, and fast forward through a lot of this. But so <clears throat> we, uh, Sunday, the, the, now she's in the hospital. The, the, the she's sport, back in the hospital. Back in the hospital, admitted. We have a room. It's nice. We're looking out on Michigan Avenue. Um, uh, they have this child on um, acetaminophen, um, ibuprofen uh, for her fever, and, and also morphine, which I didn't know they would give to four-year-olds. But, um, and they're trying to take care of this. And, and we're, our hope on Monday is that we're getting better. I actually go out and fly out to this conference in San Francisco. Um, and I land in San Francisco, and Manisha calls and says she's gotten a lot worse. She's throwing up uh, everything mm, else. That's and, so scary. Yeah. So, so what are we, three days in now? So I, you know have one Manhattan at the, at the hotel and make arrangements to fly back the next morning. Um, I get back in and then we go two or three more days, um, where they try two or three different, uh, antibiotics to see if something else works. She continues on that regimen of those drugs I just mentioned. Um, can and, I, can I interrupt for one yeah, second? Sure. Just one funny thing. Cause I was able to visit them a few times in the hospital and Manisha walked in and Manisha was getting interviewed again, like you said, by another oh. nurse, because oh, yeah. nurses are yeah. always walking in and out. They are doing their job. So people who are medical professionals, please don't think we're ripping. This is, we're so thankful. It's more of just a, you know, the nature of the, the business. But I walked in and Manisha whispers to me, 
just listen, they're going to ask me if she's been around a cat because they kept asking, has she been scratched by a cat over and over? Because cat scratch fever is a real thing. Yes. It correct? is. Yes. And yeah. that, and the symptoms that she was showing were indicative of cat scratch fever. Right. So every professional that would come talk to Manisha and Chris would say, has a cat been present in your house? <laughs> yeah. And it was funny that she said that to me because two minutes later, the nurse was like, um... Do you have a cat? Right. In fact, she had left, and then she popped her head back in, and she's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. One more thing. Do you have a cat? And so, I mean, but that, again, is like one thing I'd want to really have people understand. The whole journey of Kawasaki is like chasing down the diagnosis. Totally. Like, And so we had every day a teams of experts. So the ENT, the ear, nose, throat team would come in, do a bunch of their their version of checks. Then infectious disease started coming in, which is the team ultimately that we needed. They do their checks. Then the, I don't know, our own pediatricians from our private practice would come in, do their checks. And this all day. And so in the course of the, and I'm going to, here's my spoiler, the nine days that we spent in the hospital, we pursued like three or four different diagnoses until... Thinking you knew what it was. Oh, it's this... Let's treat yes. that. So exactly. And then they're like, no, it's not this. And then all, meanwhile, May was like beyond miserable. I, I, oh I want God. miserable. Oh, she couldn't move. She, she couldn't, couldn't move. move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, the reason we got the attention of all these different teams was partly because, again, VIP had encouraged Manisha to push them harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and what about the infectious disease team? And what about the ear, nose, and throat people? So they started coming in. And, and I think this is to the extent that we want to stay on the, the technical side of this whole thing. This is where people in the middle of Iowa who don't get to go to Lurie Children's Hospital should sort of listen closely because the treatments that we were pursuing were, were the same. They may be different antibiotics, but they were all the same. And the hope was that it was going to go away. Well, lo and behold, it starts to go away on oh. Thursday. And we're preparing to be Dismissed released or whatever you from the hospital. She was actually getting better, like moving around, totally. jumping. She was getting better. And so, but the, the key is that it's not, it was not due to the antibiotics. The antibiotics were not fighting something off. The, the nature of the disease is that it will go away. Mm. Um, yes, but the, if left. But the effects yeah. of the disease linger and they're they, dormant. They're, well, yeah, but they're, they may not be dormant for long because a kid could then end up dying of like a ruptured aneurysm in mm. their heart. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, you might never think to look at that because if you're in West Virginia, um, or someplace without the same level of expertise. Oh well, we've been given her antibiotics. The symptoms have gone away. She's we've better. fixed the problem. That's mm-hmm. right. And and oh, and that it. is a really important thing about this crazy Kawasaki thing because there's what you don't realize until you've identified that this is what's making your kid sick is the clock is ticking. Mm. You have ten days effectively to treat it. And if you and here's the good news: if you identify it and treat it in ten days. They can be cured. Most kids, it, it just, and they move on in it. their life. Mm-hmm. Like we're still doing, um, you know, echocardiograms to make sure she didn't suffer, um, you know, inflammation, inflammation in, her in her heart. But it's looking good. And but you could actually leave the hospital thinking your kid was better. The kid goes on, lives their life, and it turns out they have sustained heart damage. Got so it. yeah, six months. This or six is why later. we want your listeners to become aware of this and know about these symptoms. Well, you guys may not be able to answer this, but how did they finally say, like, was was Kawasaki on the table the entire time? Yes, yes but they, they thought 
they had pretty much almost, you know, ruled it out because she was starting to get so much better and she was moving around. And then actually it was, Kathy was at the hospital. The moment things changed, she was up and at him. We were on the floor that has a big fire truck. She was playing. It was so fun. And then she just walked up to me and she said, Mommy, I'm really tired. And her eyes were totally bloodshot and her lips had begun to crack like mm. a severe case of chapped lips. And, those... and it was extreme because when I got there, her lip, her eyes were not bloodshot. Right. And then they were. And, of course, I didn't know any of those symptoms. So I kept saying to Manisha, well, she's got to be exhausted. Right. Like, you know, we're all looking for the reason why. But you knew because they had told you that was a symptom, That's right? when I knew. Yeah. And, and I have to say it was such a a profound moment because the whole – one among the many draining, draining things about the experience, I mean, there's the fear and the lack of sleep, but the not knowing, like n- knowing that the doctors also aren't sure and that such, such an elusive diagnosis is, is a little maddening. And yeah. you keep thinking, I mean, it's you're in the hospital and your kid is not herself and she's so sick and you're thinking, what if they have it wrong, you know? Mm. And so while it was great to see her up and about, it wasn't as if that morning we felt like total relief. So when she came up to, it was you and me, and yeah. she had red eyes, I thought two things like, oh my God, it's Kawasaki. And that felt scary. And it's a scary word. And there's the heart is involved. It's real. And I thought, okay, thank God. At least now we know what to do. And relief. we went upstairs to our room and boom, I mean, it all began. And by in the next two hours. So she, when yeah. the second rush of symptoms showed up, that's what told you and the doctors, this is what it is. Yeah. And just to interrupt for a second, because I remember before we before we went to the fire truck, we were in the room with you, Chris, and I remember having this conversation. They had decided that it was blank, because I remember you said it could be Kawasaki, but we're pretty sure it's not now. They had told you it was... I think they had gone back to what we thought it might have been the night we were in the emergency room, which, which was, was an infection. It's called like retrophalangeal... Schmigger Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah something yeah, that's... Yeah. You've never it's basically it like a dangerous bacteria way back in the throat. That's it. That was it. Yes. And there was a possibility that we would have to do surgery for that. But again, then she started seeming better. Yeah. So it was such a blessing that she finally presented with these other symptoms. So when she got sick, that was good. I mean, it sounds counterintuitive. Oh, no, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was wonderful news because it showed itself. On day day eight of 10. So you were relieved when your daughter became terribly, you know, when the, when the bloodshot eyes, bloodshot eyes, and everything else. Well, but particularly because of the timing, because again, it's a ten day thing. You not only do you have to diagnose it within ten days, but you need to treat it. And the way they treat it is they give you what we were told is the twenty twenty five thousand dollar IV. It's called IV IG intravenous inter. Immunoglobulin. Shwana, shwana. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it's all the best things from a lot of people's blood and it's that's one IV that usually uh, resolves the problem. It, they treat it also we talked to I mean this is something they also treat for kids who have leukemia and I mean this is a this is a very special like potion of the gods basically. Which they happen to have in ready supply at Lurie in Chicago. Amazing. Thank but it isn't always in ready supply at all hospitals you know. Mm. So it was a blessing because they could finally connect the dots mm. and then, then they knew exactly what to do. Got it. So. And just one IV? Like it wasn't like months of pills or anything like that? Baby aspirin, right? Well, we stayed on aspirin for a while because, it, again, if between um, subsequent uh, echocardiograms, if she were to develop some inflammation in the heart, you do want to keep the blood thin. Mm. And so we did stay on pretty heavy doses of aspirin for a while and then reduced doses. And we've continued to go back in for echocardiograms to make sure that the heart continues to look like what it did before mm. she got sick because that's mm. what they're always measuring against and comparing it 
with. So when is it echocardiograms for the rest of her life or what's the deal? Well, that's a good question. I mean, technically, we're we're done um, in about a month, which will be the year anniversary. Wow. But friends of ours who went through this have said that they are proactive about asking for one every year. Mm. So, so, so it'll you just guys be a part to... of her physical, right. probably. Yeah, probably we'll do that. Mm. Wow. What do you think? Well, I, I think that the most, you know, the reason I feel like the story is so compelling is, A, because I don't think a lot of people know about Kawasaki. And it's just, you know, and it's interesting that we're talking about this because something that Todd and I um, really believe in is not putting more fear in people. Right. It's not about being afraid or thinking that every, you know, swollen lymph node is going to be this extreme thing. But we have to have information to know what we want to do. Right. We have to be able to ha- know that this is a possibility for kids under five and especially for those that, you know, we tape this in Chicago. So a lot of people are in Chicago and, you know, knowing that there are hospitals that can, that know what this is and know how to treat it. And for those of you who aren't in a big city or, you know, just having the language, could mm-hmm. it be this knowing what the symptoms are, knowing that is a possibility, um, information is power. Mm-hmm. And totally. so this isn't really fear. This is, having more awareness which i really believe in well it's funny because you uh sit there and you know you guys are in work mode you're taught you're thinking about your trip and then all of a sudden your daughter gets sick you're like oh she's sick she'll be better in two days and then all of a sudden you get like smacked in the side of the head with a hammer like oh my gosh what's going on Mm -hmm. and then so then you feel like the least lucky people alive because you don't know what's going on with your daughter and then you're like feel so blessed that She's got, she gets bloodshot eyes. I mean, talk about an emotional roller coaster. I mean, what was that week like for you guys? Well, I, would, I would jump in there because you say you feel like the least lucky people. But when you spend a week in a children's hospital, it's impossible to feel unlucky mm-hmm. because you do see other kids oh, uh, gotcha. on, on the cancer floor. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and you see other kids when you take your kid down to the play area or whatever. Kids You're who right. are clearly um, suffering from diseases that might not have the relief that we got right. after eight days in a one IV bag. Right. A lot more chronic and kids who are so used to being in that hospital. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I would say one other thing, like my biggest... Um, our children are trying yes, to listen. They're That's here. okay. Um, on the subject of like feeling lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a funny thing. I mean, as I've reflected on this for the past 12 months, probably my biggest... Aha, my biggest reflection is this. Like, you're in the hospital, and and this is true especially at Chicago Children's because it's in this beautiful glass building in the middle of downtown Chicago, and the views are incredible. You could see all of the Magnificent Mile and the city just moving, you know, Mm -hmm. from every view. (laughs) And you're in a quiet room where time has absolutely begun to stand still like your day goes from busy 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 like everyone you can see through the window to the most present time slow like um quiet pace it, it's and such just absolute a, focus absolute focus you care about really one thing right and, and that for me was the biggest blessing because i i during those days that we were in the hospital weirdly like i would never have wished to be there but it was the most clarity mm. I can say I have felt pr- probably since being a parent because especially like, you know, in normal life, I feel like I'm always going back and forth. Like, am I in this moment, mommy? Am I work version of myself? Am I like school volunteer version? Am I neighbor? Like, and all the tensions between figuring out 
am I like giving any one of those roles my best self? You know, it's always the the balance question, right? Mm. And when you're in a situation like this, it's so clear. Mm. Like there's no place else you're supposed to be. Your to-do list disappears. You have such clarity of purpose and it felt so good. Mm -hmm. And um, again, I wouldn't have wished it, but my God, was it a blessing? Well, that's the, that's the, you know, rainbow in the clouds is like when yeah. you're having clouds and you recognize, cause I remember you, you and I were looking out the window and we we're looking at people. We're like, where are they going? Mm-hmm. Where are they in such a hurry? And who, why is everyone not noticing? And it's not literal. It's kind of like Todd, when uh, Todd always tells a story that when his stepfather passed away, he, didn't she say you went into McDonald's and everyone was just kind of ordering? When, and- no, when he was sick, oh. I, w- I would get angry at the people that were having normal conversations in McDonald's yes. because I'm like, you guys have no idea what I'm going through, totally. and I'm jealous of your lack of awareness awareness yeah. of what what suffering is and what's important and right? what's important. Yeah. And when you're talking, Manisha, like that's that was just forced mindfulness. Like you had no other choice than to be completely present and with like crystal clarity of what's important. And we all get so lost in our priorities on a day to day basis. So my question to you is. How long, because, you know, obviously you go back to the rat race of mm-hmm. thinking other things are important. Did you at least have a week or two where you're like, I don't really care that much about work? Totally. I, I, well, I really, I had a week or two, and I want to say maybe five, where I was really out of it. Like, I, I, you know, I think it was like some form of PTSD. PTSD Shock, yeah. because. And this is something Chris and I were reflecting on as we were preparing for today. We had really different roles in the hospital, and they maybe weren't the ones either one of us would have predicted. He, well, I'll speak for me, and then you can, like, when we were in the hospital, I went into total warrior woman mode. Yeah, you're like Mama Lion. I was. I, I didn't cry until the very last day when an incredible woman who was doing the, um, Cardi echo on her heart whispered to me that she thought it looked good. She mm. wasn't actually supposed to do that, you know, but, but she did. Oh. And I, I lost it. But it was not until the last day. Like I was, you know, remembering the nurses' names and remembering all these new words and the medicines and all the different morphine and rah, 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 And I just was like that. And Chris was actually way more maternal, like conventionally like I, I don't know if it was maternal but i think that or, like yeah, it's maybe it's fair. because as a dad you feel like your role is that of a protector um and one avenue towards being a protector could have been what manisha did and could have been you know making sure that we were doing everything we could um but it, there's also a sense of like helplessness as a dad where right. you're like you know i could do all that but i just feel hopeless and helpless that i can't do a better job of making this kid not hurt right well, it's funny. Dan kind of said the yeah. same thing with Maddie, Dan McCarthy. Mm-hmm. We they, they talked about their daughter who had leukemia, and there's a and I'm sure it's a motherly thing too. But as the dad, it is your job to make sure your kids don't suffer, and this is something that they were suffering through, and you couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And wouldn't you like lay in bed with her and stuff? Why do I feel like oh, I've been yeah, yeah. that? I mean, well, the thing is, she could hardly move, but yeah, absolutely would lay in bed with her, and, and you know, I don't know if that gave me a better feeling or what, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, was that for you or her? Like kind of all yeah. you could do. Right? right. So it's funny cause we actually know Dan and, and Aaron and that's another point of perspective. Like even amidst all that, like Dan came and brought us something. I forget what it was. Sorry, Dan. Um, but it was just his, it really the gift that in that case is his presence. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, and you're reminded that, um, you know, 
things could be a whole lot worse. Right. And that people have walked this path before. Yeah. I think right? that's when you, and again, it's the reason that you guys are on the show and sharing is that when you've walked this path, what you want to do is give to other people. You're like, okay, I know what they're dealing with. So how can I support them? Or I can understand, you know, we can never completely know someone's experience, but we can relate to it. And so it's like, how do I help? Yeah. Uh, can I want to say one more thing sure. about Manisha looking out the window? Um, the other thing, you know, like you said, your perspective changed, but um, tell them what was outside her window that you could see every day. You gave me a picture of it. It's in my bathroom. This oh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, right, right. So when the first night that we were on the ER, in the ER, um, we had a perfect view of the um, contemporary, art? Con- yeah, the contemporary art museum in Chicago, and the they had an installation for like that whole month that was outside, and it was a giant, I mean, enormous neon sign that said "Mothers." Mm. Um, and it, it, and it, it just was neon, and it was spinning, spinning around, and I just watched it all night, <laughs> and it was. Incredible. Incredible. I mean, it was just very powerful. Um, so Manisha took a picture of it and gave it to me, kind of matted. I'm sure you have one too, but I have it in my bathroom. I look at it all the time. Well, what I was going to say is how you kind of assumed one role and Chris maybe assumed a different one. It wouldn't have been healthy for both of you guys to be carrying the intention and the energy that, that you, Manisha, was carrying. And you guys, you, you have you no choice to but to balance each other out. Um, so, and that's without even deciding. I'm it sure wasn't you, conscious. No. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure you guys didn't decide, yeah. okay, Manisha, you do this and I'll do that. You just kind of organically fell into the place that you had to be. Right. Yeah. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. It just, it was like a symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, yeah. It was just all either one of us knew how to do it. Yeah. Did you guys get pissed at each other? Cause you're tired and grumpy and things are bad. No, no, no. Well. No. I mean, it was, but it again, was, but you know, Dan and Aaron went through, two and a half years of this right. and, and they would go from the hospital to home and back and forth sometimes unexpectedly and and that's a different situation we, you know yeah, again for nine our, days. ours was nine days it right. was acute right um and focused so again <laughs> probably another blessing so we're going to close the show with um one of Maymay's uh favorite songs at least a portion of it but before i do that um do, is there anything else you guys wanted to share or add about your experience you don't have to i just wanted to give you that opportunity well, I guess um, I would say that I, I just hope everybody heard what we were saying about being an advocate, you mm-hmm. know, and finding your voice and you know your kid and, you know, don't be afraid to say so. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Chrissy? No, I mean, that was it. I mean, if, 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 if we could somehow bottle the perspective that we were given in that because of those circumstances, um, we, we'd be rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Because we all need a taste of that every day. No, no, no. So this is a May May song? Tell me about the song, Chris. Uh, it's a song Grateful Dead used to sing, and it's a song I play with her teacher when I go into their class and we play guitar together. Uh, it's kind of nonsensical. What's it called? The Monkey and the Engineer. All right. Very good. Um, well, thank you guys both for joining us. Hopefully you had a good time. I think that this was a good... Uh, you know, build awareness of something that a lot of moms and dads don't know about. So. It's education, and it's a story, and it's hope. Because like you said, May May's fine. Yeah. May May's all right, and that's because it was She hot. likes to stand on her uh, tippy toes. Yeah. I've never seen that girl's heel hit the floor. <laughs> she did a lot of walking in the hospital with the IV and lots of those things strapped to her chest, always on her toes. I love time. it. <laughs> and, we're, and we're back again next week. On the- <laughs> we'll see. Okay. okay, we'll talk about it. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, you guys. Big locomotive, ride all time. Big locomotive up and down the line Big locomotive